0: Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your
1: destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn
0: and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Keen and Eldridge in our summer special. Season's only been over a few months, but plenty of storylines to talk about. We'll talk roster changes, conference realignment, might even get into a little baseball talk. Great show coming up for you right after this. talk angry podcast is brought to you by forge audio productions for all your audio and music
1: production needs forge audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist to receive a free consultation or quote from brian visit www.forgeaudioprod.com that's www.forgeaudioprod.com or follow the studio on facebook or instagram and now back to the show
0: Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. With the deep run in the NIT, the shocker season didn't get over till early April. Here we are at the beginning of July, and there's been plenty to talk about since our last show of the year, a lot of storylines to choose from. I think the most important one has to start with the roster changes, particularly with a player that we thought might be a leading scorer for this team next season, and that is the story of Teddy Allen. He was uh, arrested earlier last month, dismissed from the team a few days later, and you know, you, you hate to see a situation like this. I think similar to the statement coach Marshall had afterwards, you just more you feel bad for the player not you know, who certainly has talent not getting to take advantage of an opportunity, but you feel bad for all parties involved, maybe not being able to, you know, reach things and, and advance the ball forward. But uh, overall, when you look at this story, Taylor, kind of kind of, what were your thoughts? Were you surprised to see this? And, and overall, maybe were you also surprised to see how quickly the Shockers were able to move going forward? Yeah, it was a surprise
2: because usually, you know, you would see uh, you know, teams wait until the legal process plays out, and I think his arraignment is at the end of this month. But, you know, in the recruiting world, you know, waiting until late July for a 2019 guy, that's just not possible. So, you know, WSU had to make, uh, you know, a decision quickly. And I think if you kind of read between the lines, of you look at Darren Boatwright's quote, he said that, we looked at the entire uh, the entirety of, of Teddy's time here at Wichita State. So that that kind of spells it out there that, you know, this probably wasn't the first incident, maybe the, the first public one. Uh, but, you know, I think that was kind of the the, the, the wording in that kind of uh, told me uh, what kind of happened, I guess. And, uh, yeah, just real unfortunate because you, you want to see, I mean, so many Shocker fans, when they took Teddy in, Uh, You know, they they read that that really great story by C.J. Moore last year, uh, talking about his his struggles, his difficulties, everything he's trying to to overcome, and you know you just want to root for a kid like that to you know get his life back on track, and uh, you know he's been pretty positive through this. I've I've talked to a couple people, and you know he's 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 you know disappointed, he's hurt, but he's not you know devastated. He, he still wants to move on, uh, looking at junior college options right now. Um, so he'll probably go one year at JUCO, then then try to you know get back on that D one path, and uh, you know hopefully he can. Uh, you know follow follow his basketball dream and and finally get to play and uh, show people what he can do because I know a lot of, a lot of Shocker fans were very excited about about what he might have been able to do this coming season.
0: Well, I want to say a lot of the responsibility certainly falls at the feet of Teddy, because certainly he was the one in this position. He was the one that made the mistake. But I have to also think about the NCAA and West Virginia having a little bit of a part in this. It's almost, you know, like flipping a coin with the transfer rules these days, where you see some schools, like a Kansas, we see Quentin Grimes is transferring to uh, AAC member Houston, who's come out and said, we're going to be as helpful as possible in this transfer. And, And, you know, he might be eligible this next season whereas in a situation where it gets dragged out with the NCAA there's an appeal they go back to West Virginia you don't really you know have a lot there so you have to think and, and once again Teddy made the mistake but sitting out the entire year this is just going to naturally give you the ability to maybe get yourself into more trouble than it had you been focused or had you some had something to look forward to after this last season
2: yeah, it's tough, and even uh, um, with WSU, Greg Marshall, with uh, with Ricky Torres, when he transferred, I mean, Greg did a lot for, for Ricky to make sure he was eligible and he's going to be able to play at Illinois State this coming season, so yeah, I mean, it does have a lot to do with, you know, the former team and how much uh, say they get to, uh, into that process, and yeah, I mean, it's just really unfortunate, you know, he went the whole year without getting in trouble, then, you know, a couple months before the start of the season uh, to run into it. Uh, really, really unfortunate. But, you know, I think WSU, uh, kind of like what, what Marshall said, uh, you know, you wish him the best. Uh, you know, you're sorry it didn't work out and just hope to see him succeed down the road.
0: Now we did talk about how quickly they were able to get back on the recruiting trail and to get someone signed. So tell us about this big six ten forward who's now going to be wearing a shocker uniform next season.
2: Yeah, really impressive job by uh, uh, Tyson Waterman to to you know always you know that's kind of the running joke is you know recruiting never stops, never stops shaving, and uh, Tyson Waterman. On the basically the same day that that news came out was able to convince Joseph at uh he was on an official visit to West Virginia, wrapping that up, uh, convinced him to take a flight from West Virginia to Wichita that same night and get him in uh, the same week, uh, basically the same day uh, that that news broke, that, that they had dismissed Teddy from the team. So a uh, really impressive haul by the shockers. you know, this is a, a high ceiling recruit that's not you know for this late in the game very rare to find someone with this much talent and uh... Uh, for them to be able to, to get him in, uh, to woo him, and get him on campus already. Very impressive job by the Shockers to, to find someone this late in the recruiting period. Well,
0: I have two questions following up on that. Why do you think he was available this late in the recruiting period? And in your article on Kansas.com, you talked about how he might be a diamond in the rough. So what also have you seen from his game in the very limited video or opportunities out there that, that there have been?
2: Yeah, a, I think that he was still available because a lot of D- Division One coaches didn't really know what to make of him. Uh, you know, not very many offers in the fall period. Uh, WSU actually was one of them. Uh, they got on him early. Uh, they offered him in November. Uh, really liked his game, but, you know, just couldn't find a spot for him in this recruiting class and uh, kind of passed on him. And then uh, in the spring, you know, uh, when people leave for the NBA, when transfers happen, you know things get shook up, rosters get changed, and that's when teams start to get maybe not desperate, but their their the priorities change. So that kind of reshuffles the recruiting game, and uh, you know, you look at Bilal's recruiting and it just really took off there uh, in about a two three week stretch, and uh, you know, he was uh KU was on him. They were sniffing around before they got Wilson, and uh, you know, a lot of high high majors, you know, West Virginia, Pitt. Um, Nevada I think were his uh, other final three and uh, so for the Shockers to be able to, to hop in that late and to basically steal him away from those guys that, that had been recruiting him for, for much longer before that uh, very impressive by, by Tyson Waterman and Greg Marshall and they've pretty much gotten every one of their first choices uh, in this whole recruiting class uh, basically. So uh, Tyson has made an instant impact in the recruiting game. Uh, he was able to, you know, swoop in and, and get him Tyson ATN out of nowhere. You know, they came from behind Grant Sherfield, Trey Wade, uh, guys like that. So uh, really impressive. But with Bilal, you know, 6'10", ball skills, he can dribble, shoot, pass, uh, run the floor, block. I mean, he looks great looks on like film. Looks like a
0: freaking monster with yeah. that picture he took in he looks jersey. he's been he's been in a in a gym before.
2: Yeah, he looks like he's been working out with Carey for, you know, 5 years now, but um, yeah, he just lo- he looks the part. He looks like a high major, you know, looks like a 4 or 5-star prospect. Uh, you know, a lot of the film that you do see on him, he looks amazing. Uh, but I talked to someone that has watched him multiple times in Ohio. And he kind of threw some, you know, threw a caution out there. He said, you have to remember the competition. Uh, this is a guy who hardly played for his high school team at Spire, uh, the same team as LaMelo Ball. Uh, that team revolved around, you know, four or five guys. And had didn't really play very much at all. He played uh, off the bench sparingly. He was probably like the eighth or ninth guy. So he's playing at the end of blowouts against, you know, bad competition uh, when they're up, you know, 30, 40 points. So you have to keep that in mind. That's probably why he looks so good uh in those in those mixtapes but man you know you, there's not very many 610 guys that can that can dribble and playmake and and shoot it like he can so and everything i've heard uh you know when he came to Wichita and uh, played on his recruiting visit uh played pickup you know he killed it you know they were telling me that he he looked really 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 good but he's going to be super raw i think fans need to to remember that And, uh, you know, this is a guy that's coming in late, too. He's he's about a month behind all the other freshmen. So I would temper expectations, but I I do think this is a potential steal, a potential diamond in the rough for Greg Marshall.
0: We had Teddy Allen penciled in as one of those five starters going into next season. We had him also in the conversation to be the leading scorer and replace some of that scoring that you're going to lose with the graduation of Marcus McDuffie you know certainly there's going to be a beneficiary to Allen's departure as far as kind of who's that next man up you'd have to think maybe Trey Wade has an opportunity to jump in at that four spot now but but with that in mind kind of how, how do you see the the lineup itself maybe shifting a little bit and uh, maybe have you heard anything from the pickup that they've been playing here this summer as far as maybe who might be sticking out a little bit
2: yeah, I've heard the you know the freshman guards look good. You know Tyson Atn, Grant Sherfield, uh, they both look really really good. So that's encouraging. Um, you know Sherfield is a little more athletic than what they thought they were getting. Uh, you know he's a playmaker. And then Tyson, you know he's lived up to the building. Kerry Rosenboom told me this is the most D one you know complete body that I've ever seen from an incoming freshman. So uh, high praise from the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, so. I think those two, you know, they're ready to go uh, right away. Um, if you're asking me the starting five right now, I've uh, said from the start that I think game one is going to be the returner, so I would go uh, Jamarius Burton at the one. I think Eric Stevenson will get the nod at the two. Dexter Dennis. Uh, and then probably, I think I like Hami Echenique, but, you know, from everything I'm hearing, Asbjorn Meekard has really stood out, too. And uh, Marshall mentioned him as a spring uh, break out a guy so maybe it's Asbjorn uh, game one just like it was this last season and I think Trey Wade the Juco transfer I think he's going to be that small ball four uh, but I do think Sherfield or ATN maybe even both uh, break into that starting lineup uh, sooner rather than later I really like the idea of Eric Stevenson off the bench it's kind of that super sub instant offense kind of the spark off the bench playing that kind of role so maybe you see I think they're going to play three guards a lot so there's going to be a lot of PT up for grabs uh, for that three, and then maybe you see Dexter play some of the four or two to back up Trey Wade.
0: I don't know if you saw this, but Go Shockers posted a video like a week or two ago of them just getting after it in the frickin' gym. Uh, every single one of them looked athletic. They were dunking. Now I know that's that's what these hype videos are supposed to be, but you have to think this is going to be one of, if not the most athletic teams that Greg Marshall has ever had.
2: Yeah, that was the the takeaway I got from it too. Was they they looked pretty bouncy. I mean, they were a lot of dunks. Uh, you know, Trey Wade got up on one of those and. Uh, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about Anthony Gordon. Uh, his hops are for real. Uh, you know, uh, Josephette Bilal, you know, he's not, uh, you know, a grade A athlete, but, you know, for a 6'10 guy, he moves pretty well. Um, so he can he can throw it down. You know, Dexter, I mean, they, they're, they're trying to take his his dunking to the next level. Even JB, you know, he, he had one where he uh, had a crossover and exploded pretty well and got up uh, above the rim. So that was pretty impressive. And,. Uh, yeah, I think th- this team is going to be more athletic. It's going to be uh, pretty long. Uh, maybe a little undersized at the four, but you know that that three, two, one could be uh, a pretty good you know defensive backcourt. You know if ATN really lives up to that hype, I've heard that he's just you know an absolute dog on the defensive end. So you throw him out there with Dexter, and you find one more guy that can guard the perimeter. That's going to be a pretty good uh, lineup for the Shockers.
0: You have to think in the AAC next year that certainly Memphis will will be a player with the level of recruiting that they're bringing in. Houston and, and Kelvin Sampson has still proved his ability to kind of reload here. Cincinnati is in flux, though, and I think Wichita State has to be right there in the discussion. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. We'll have another show before the season starts where we'll get a little bit more into the roster and expectations, but uh, I still, even with the Teddy Allen departure, you have to be very excited, and the arrow is definitely pointing. Up for the shocker program. Let's talk a little conference realignment. Let me first say I can completely understand why UConn fans wanted to go back to the Big East and their nostalgia for better times. But also let me say I will never understand the disdain that they had for playing in the American Conference when they routinely were in the cellar of the conference. The Tulsas, the SMUs, the East Carolinas, the people they said they were too good to be playing on the basketball court. We're beating them up and down consistently every single year. Nonetheless, UConn is leaving the conference more than likely uh, not after this uh, coming season, but but afterwards going to have to negotiate that exit fee. But first, let's talk about your thoughts on UConn's departure. Then we'll get on the options for the AAC from here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a loss for the American um, in terms of basketball, just because of the prestige, you know, uh, women's basketball for UConn is the brand in the American, maybe even the brand nationally, uh, just because of how many championships, you know, Gino, um, you know, what he's been able to, to accomplish there, that's a huge loss, uh, and even the men's program, even though they have struggled in recent history, you know, they've, they've won a national championship as as recent as 2014, and um, you know, they, they do have that history and a massive fan base in the Northeast, and I think that's huge for the American, you know, to get that New York market, and uh, that's a big loss, you know, to, to lose them, but in terms of, you know, if you look at it as just strictly basketball moving forward, not a huge loss, you know, you're looking at a team that was basically in the the, the bottom half of the middle, uh, you know, Dan Hurley, I do like him as a coach, I, I think he, he is about to turn that program around, but you know, is it going to happen this year? Probably not. You know, maybe they do make a move up uh, toward the top half of the middle, but, you know, you're not looking at a, at a program that was set up to, to you know, be a, a consistent contender, you know, like like a Houston, a Wichita State, Cincinnati, uh, you know, Memphis now with, with their recruiting. and uh, So I think the, the American is, is set up still, it's uh, still set up to be a, a very, very strong basketball conference. I like the idea. Um, uh, of you know, staying at eleven as a basketball conference, and then maybe playing that that double round robin, twenty games, where you know if they're if Tulane, if East Carolina, if uh, teams like that are truly going to get better, uh, then you know there's no bad games in that conference, and if you can keep them in the you know top two hundred, top one fifty, um, you know that that could end up benefiting everyone if if everyone really is on the up
1: and up. I think you have to have. East Carolina and Tulane in the top 150. If they're below that, then going, you know, that double round robin doesn't give them the flexibility on the schedule. I mean, we'll get into that later, but the ability to be able to look at the schedule and say, you know what, I don't want to saddle Cincinnati with having to play East Carolina twice or Tulane twice and and not having that option to to kind of spread out the load and eliminate bad games for your contenders uh is a bit of a limitation so they definitely have to get top 150 in my opinion before before being willing to go that full double round robin
0: Well, we also talk about the advantage of having the double round robin. Let's be honest with ourselves. Football is going to be what drives this decision and ultimately the opportunity to drive revenue to the conference moving forward. Now, Mike Oresko, the commissioner of the conference, has come out and said, you know, we're not going to add a 12th member just to add a 12th member. So we need to be adding to the profile of the conference to improve. But the way you look at it, basically, they have three options. You stay at 11. You have the double round robin in basketball. You add a 12th member for all sports. Or you add a, you do kind of a pair like they have with Navy and Wichita State, where you go out and you find a football only member, maybe an Army. You pair it with another school. Of people have said a VCU. There's a lot of different options out there. Taylor, what I mean in a, in a perfect world or in a dream scenario, what what would you be looking at here?
2: You know, if I mean in a perfect world for WSU, you're just looking at basketball. So I, I love VCU. I love their style. I love you know the the way that they uh, play the game and. Uh, their fan base. I mean, I think they'd be a great addition as a basketball only member. I I don't know what their other programs are like. I don't know if they're strong in any other sports, but, uh, if you're asking me just as a basketball, uh, they would be a, a perfect fit, you know, uh, going up there to, to Richmond last year for the Shockers road game. That was a really cool experience. They have a great crowd great atmosphere, and they really get after it with, you know, that Havoc uh, defense, and uh, I think that would make for a very, very entertaining fit in the American, uh, you know, especially, you know, you think of VCU Cincinnati, VCU, I mean, Houston, VCU Wichita State. Those are some pretty high entertaining games uh, in the coming years, but, I mean, I don't know if, how how likely that is. Like you said, you know, football is going to drive this decision and wouldn't be surprised if it's more of a, a, a school that, that can be, Good in football and basketball.
0: Folks have brought up a BYU, a Boise State. Both of those programs were in the discussions very early on in the creation of the AAC. However, you're always going to have that geographical argument. Now, the fact that Wichita States has been Wichita State has been added, you know, you start to move west a little bit, UConn going away, you don't have that trip to the northeast, so maybe there's an opportunity there. You have a lot of those other conference USA schools as well. The Teams that used to be in the conference with Tulsa and Houston, who have always wanted to take a look at the AAC. You think of a Marshall, a UAB, a North Texas. Some folks have said Air Force. So, my next question for you, Taylor in a, you know, in Taylor's dream scenario, you get to travel to all these cities. So, which school would you add in Taylor's dream world and maybe which school? Would you just add if, if you were the commissioner of the AAC based on all those that I just gave you?
2: Yeah, I think BYU is probably the most—probably uh, the probably the ideal one uh, just because they have the football. Uh, they've been relevant in basketball before. Um I don't know about going all the way out to to Utah uh, personally. You know, as a beat writer, you know, traveling with the team. Uh, I think UNLV. That's that's one. That's uh, oh, yeah. That's very tantalizing. Getting a Vegas and New Orleans trip uh, out of the road schedule. That would be pretty cool to go. And I think UNLV. You know, with uh, the the new hire. Uh, they just got a uh, North the North Dakota State coach uh,
0: T J. Otzelberger or something yeah, like that.
2: Yeah, I wasn't gonna try it. I, I'm glad you tried Otzelberger. It. I think Otzelberger. Otzelberger um, sounds right. Yeah, I love uh, I love the way they played, and you know, a local kid uh, Caleb Grill, he was going to play there, so I, I kind of looked into that, and I just love their their style and um and the way they play the game. So I think uh, him at UNLV is really really um a really good fit. And uh, that's a program that's on the rise, and they've had success there before. So, you know, they, they play football and, and basketball, and I think that that could be a, a good fit. You know, it's way further out west than anybody else, so the, the geography of it is kind of a uh, stretch. But, man, you know, Chief flights to Vegas uh, from Wichita, so that would be a fun road trip. And I think that's one that, you know, Shocker fans would, would go on every year. I mean, regardless of how the, the basketball team is doing at UNLV – so I think that's uh that would be a fun fit for the conference and kind of stay in line with having a major city uh a school in there.
0: Think about having conference tournaments in Vegas as well. You know, I believe the Mountain West and several of those uh the the WAC has been out there as well. But to yeah. uh, have conference tournaments, certainly we'd have to throw them in the rotation.
1: So before we before we get moving on, I w- at least want to have a moment of silence for the Yukon Athletic Department because honestly, this feels like them giving up. They're going back to a conference where they had reminiscent you know, glory days, but by the so way, many of those Syracuse teams aren't ain't there. there anymore. Syracuse okay. isn't there anymore. <laughs> it's not there anymore. It's not, not there anymore. Georgetown it, is there. no I'm you're just <laughs> you're now playing. Creighton and Butler who were not in the conference before you are going to make less money in conference revenue. You are going to 60
0: million in debt as an athletic partner
1: in debt. You're going to be dropping. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with football. You're likely looking at dropping to FCS. I don't see how they can sustain a FBS program as an independent. And I don't know where they would land with their, with their football team as it stands. So in many ways, You know, this feels like them giving up because you look at Cincinnati and Houston, and while, you know, they want to get out of the American, they want to go to the Big 12. They want to go to the Big 10. They're trying to position themselves moving up, and it feels like uconn has got themselves in such a difficult financial situation that they're just like, you know what, we gotta we gotta pull back, we gotta rein in expenses and stuff like that. So it just feels like giving up to me. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I mean the Big East is a, a better basketball conference than the American though. Like the American yeah. they've been looking up to the it's not even close. I don't even think it's close think they're getting closer. I mean, I mean the Big East had a, a huge down
0: year, and they were still better than the American this last year. I think the AAC surpasses them this year as far as number of teams in the NCAA tournament.
2: Ooh, that would be, that's interesting. You know, Villanova, Marquette, I mean, those are locks right there. And then, you know, there's just no and bad they team. Four that, last year. They don't have, they don't have like a bad, they don't have any bad teams, basically. You know, Providence, DePaul? I mean, they were still a top 100. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They're... 118 in Ken Palm so I mean uh,
1: that's the sort of position I would love to see Tulane in East Carolina but Taylor loved Temple on the first year (laughs) of the podcast (laughs) now he's a fan of the Big East he just
0: loves the northeast part of the country That's you know WSU fans thought that
2: thought that win over Providence was a really really good win you know Providence finished second to last in, in the Big East you know the Big East is a really good conference and I think, uh, you know, they had a down year last year, but if you look at the last, you know, five, six years, they've consistently been a top three basketball conference. So I think it's a move up for for UConn in terms of basketball. Um, maybe about, I, I do agree with you guys, though, in terms of, you know, this isn't the old Big East. You know, they're not... People who are selling it like, oh, we're getting back to those those roots. You know, that's a little disingenuous, I think, because I mean, how many of those old rivals really are there that they're going to be playing in those old uh, from the old Big East days? So I agree with you guys there, but I do think this is a move up for them in, in basketball terms.
1: I mean, if Wichita State were to get invited to the Big East, I would take it in a heartbeat because then you're you're taking away the being tied to football right you're not as you're not as unstable because now you're aligned with other basketball programs only but it's still if you look at the whole athletic department they're just they're essentially giving up on on football you also get
0: more money in the AAC per school than you do
1: because there is that football money yeah that is true I mean I
2: think uh I mean, I I'll agree with you guys there. I mean, that's not really a, that's just a fact. Come
1: on, stand up for your beliefs.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying that in terms of just basketball only, I think the Big East is the is better than the American. I don't even think it's close.
1: I will say that I think that it's the gap is closing rapidly. If Memphis can really continue sustaining its recruiting, if Penny's really the key for them, if Wichita State gets back to making regular NCAA tournaments. Uh, and, and really, to me, Houston keeping Sampson around, getting Their a transfer in Grimes. In they've, got, they've got some staying power, I feel like. And then it's a matter of, you know. UCF, cons- they're going to pop up every few years. I, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach on that one. I'm not sure. We'll see. Dawkins has done a great job thus far, but I'm not sure if they're going to. They popped uh, up, but are they going to be a cyclical team? Yeah, they're a transfer you this year. Yeah, so we'll see if they can sustain it. Um, Cincinnati with a new coach. Let's see what they can do um, as they transition. But, I, I mean, that's a, an athletic department that's going to expect success. So, even if it doesn't work out with one coach, they'll go find yeah. another.
2: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. Big East, last five years in Ken Palm, they were, in 2015, starting there, they were the second best. Third best, third best. Taylor getting out third computer best, rankings, of
0: course. <laughs> fifth
2: best. They had a down year, and and they fell to five. So I'm just saying that the American, that's what they aspire to be is the can, Big East. Can we at
1: least all agree that the American in basketball is better than the Pac-12?
2: Yes.
0: I will also say that I'd <laughs> rather be in an 11-team American over the Missouri Valley every day, every single day. Hell, let's go to 10, and I'm still okay with that. But at the time being, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about our conference pairings for next year, also give you a little NBA update. It's been a big couple of months for several Shocker players, and fit in a little baseball before we wrap up. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll continue our American conference discussion. The conference pairings were announced just a few weeks ago. And the way the schedule will look will uh, show the respect that the AAC has for Wichita State coming into this season. They'll play a home-and-home with UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, South Florida, Temple, and Tulsa. They'll play just East Carolina and Tulane at home. They'll play UConn and SMU on the road. And when you look at this, just based on last year's standings, uh, they've certainly given Wichita State an opportunity in addition to the great non-conference slate that the Shockers have put together. Uh, to put together that uh, NCAA tournament resume.
2: Absolutely. You know, you look at the, the standings from last year, those are the bottom four teams that they're playing once only. So uh, that's kind of a sign of respect from the American that they wanted to give them as many high-quality games as possible. Uh, a little bummed out, you know, we're not going to Tulane this year. Uh, real sad. Real sad about that one. I would not have mind uh, you know, switching that one with uh, the Connecticut road trip. But um, all in all, you know, I think that's a, it's a good uh, you know, the the tools are there for Wichita State to build an at large berth. Um, you know, fan depending on your level of optimism, uh, that's that is important. Um, you know, the non conference is sh- gonna be brutal once again for the for the shockers this year and uh, you know, they might be looking at another, you know, seven and five, eight and four record uh going into conference and uh, you know, if they can get to that, you know, Eleven, twelve win mark. Uh, then you're going to be looking at a at large berth in conference play, and uh, I think that's possible. You know, you're going to have to take care of business at home. Uh, you know, the ones against East Carolina and Tulane. Uh, you know, just because of how they've been, both of those teams have completely revamped their rosters, so they're going to be going through a transition. Uh, you'd hope to take care of those and uh, just steal as many as you can on the road. You know, uh, this. Uh, you know, last year's team. Had its uh, his struggles on on the road. I don't think they won their first road game until February, but but man, they got to go in those last six weeks. So uh, it's just depend on how much of that carries over to this next season. But you know, I think this does set up nicely for the Shockers to to get back to the NCAA tournament, or at least have an opportunity to build you know in a large berth where they're not having to you know play for a conference uh, a tournament championship. I think they can get in. Uh, just through the bulk of its its work. Uh, so the the foundation is there, I think.
0: We saw South Florida really uh, surprised a lot of folks last year. You and I had them either 11th or 12th uh, in our preseason predictions. I and they, they really uh, seemed to, you know, kind of overplay what the expectations were. If you had to pick out one team that maybe folks aren't talking about or you think has a higher ceiling than what most of the pundits would say, who would that be? Man, I think uh, you know South
2: Florida is going to be the obvious pick that that a lot of people. I mean, I've seen them as high as three. Um, so I think they're they're the ones. I think Cincinnati. That's another one that I think that people are kind of sleeping on. You know, Cronin left, but you know, Jaron Cumberland's back, and now they added his his cousin, who is a a, a very very good talent. Uh, they got a you know a top uh, one hundred guard that's going to come in and. And play right away from Topeka, actually, uh, um, Zach Harvey, and uh, so I think Cincinnati is one that that's kind of a sleeper. That you know I've seen them in the four, five, six range. I think they could contend. Uh, you know, people are, are obviously giving Houston the respect. They're they're giving Wichita State the respect. I've seen them mostly in that three, four, five range. So people are expecting a bounce back for for them. Obviously, Memphis is going to be up there with Houston. Um, I think Central Florida, that's the one that, that could surprise people and, and maybe get up in that top half of the, the, the conference. You know, they lost basically everything from last year, but they've taken on a lot of transfers, a lot of guys, um that, that are, you know, grad transfers, transferring, jucos, guys like that. So uh, Johnny Dawkins I think he might be able to, to reload and, and surprise some people this year. So I think that would probably be my pick from the middle of the pack to the bottom half that, that could surprise Uh, UConn, you know, they're always going to have talent too. So maybe they can surprise on their way out the door, but I think, uh, people are going to be pretty motivated to, to not let them do that on their, their last year here.
1: Can I say anybody, but Memphis is the sleeper in this conference next year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Memphis will probably be the, the unanimous pick. And then,
1: uh, they're sucking up all the oxygen in the room. It feels like,
2: (laughs) yeah, they're, they're going to be an interesting team because they have my, my question is, you know, uh, we're i mean they have so many guys so many high level recruits and now you're looking at a guy like alex lomax who you know he would have probably been the guy at wichita state uh he might get trapped in, you know in that eight nine ten spot and like i don't know how many minutes are going to be available for him and how does that affect team chemistry when all these high level guys who have been the guy on their team their whole lives how are they going to adjust to playing you know eight minutes, 12 minutes, five minutes some nights. So I think that's going to be
1: the the story to watch for Memphis. That might actually be one thing that I think Penny should be really good at because you get to the NBA, it's a locker room full of guys who are all-stars at their university or on European circuits or something. They were go-to guys, and now they got to work together. So it'll be interesting if his background in, in those environments makes a difference.
2: Yeah. Those guys are getting paid. That, that helps a little bit. It <laughs> <That> does.
0: <laughs> you bring up the guys who get paid. It was an exciting NBA Finals and, and really the entire NBA playoffs, which feels like they last about three months long. But Fred Van Vliet and the Toronto Raptors are the NBA Finals champions. Fred ends up getting one vote from Hubie Brown for Finals MVP. You had some great coverage, got to go to several of the games. So just talk about what that experience was like for you.
2: Yeah, it was uh, you know as just a basketball fan, it was incredible to to be at the game's biggest stage. Uh, you know, I got to go to the games at uh, games three and four at Oracle in Oakland, so that was really really cool. Um, just to see you know not just the the players, uh, you know some of the game's best players, but also you know as a as someone who reads a lot, who listens to podcasts, you know that was like the who's who of NBA media. So to see some of the journalists that I read all the time, uh, look up to, read uh, listen to. So that was, that was super cool. You know, Zach Lowe is, a, uh, kind of my number one guy. So to be able to talk to him and, and kind of see how, what he does during a game, that was super cool too. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, Fred, uh, you know, I, I went in thinking that maybe I could, you know, steal him on the side for a couple minutes and then, Uh, quickly found out that, you know, he was, you know, the star of the finals, basically, you know, outside of Kauai, you know, people in Canada just absolutely loved this guy, loved his toughness, and he just absolutely blew up in the finals, so, you know, his scrums, there were, you know, 100 reporters all surrounding him, so there's just, like, no chance of of getting him, and then uh, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, catch him walking back from one of those, and he uh, set up a one-on-one with me, so I really appreciate him taking the time and, um, so we talked before game four about an hour before the game and uh, he was nice enough to give me you know 10-15 minutes and uh, kind of answer uh, you know questions about Wichita State about Rockford you know his path to the, the finals so uh, I've always really uh, really appreciated Fred and uh, uh, for him you know taking the time and you know giving me some time with as like the the local you know Wichita State guy with all those NBA guys there so that was really cool experience and Um, yeah, you know, this is, anyone who knows Fred was not surprised by what he was able to do. That was kind of the gist of the story that, you know, I talked to former coaches, former teammates, and, uh, you know, no one was, you know, surprised that that Fred was able to step up and play his best on the game's biggest stage, and, you know, he just signed that that contract, but, you know, he set himself up to get paid. I think he's going to take, I think he just went to a new level for confidence, and, um, you know, I think this next year he's just gonna carry that over and take his game to a, a new level. And you know, when that, that next contract is up, he's gonna get paid. I mean, he's he set himself up for a pretty big payday now, just because of you know his his clutchness. I mean, his ability to, to play both ways. You know, people remember those big shots that he hit, but also you know running around. Chasing Steph Curry through all those screens and he did a really really good job on Steph and uh, you know even after that that series was over you know uh, Curry had to give him props for for the way he played how tough he was so I think he earned a lot of respect from from those
0: finals. You brought up C.J. Moore earlier from The Athletic. He just posted a great story on Fred's time at Wichita State, and it was through the eyes of those who were uh, next to Fred. So it was through the eyes of Zach Bush and J.R. Simon and Kellen Marshall and Landry Shaman and Shaq Morris and, and different folks who were around Fred. And it's really neat. I pay for The Athletic, so it's certainly worth the uh, subscription. Uh, you know, If you have the opportunity, go on there and take a look at that. But Fred's story from, from High school through today just continues to uh, you know improve and impress and and he reached the pinnacle of the NBA yeah it's
2: uh, it's an incredible story and to to see the impact that he's had on you know his hometown of Rockford uh, you know I think they just had a um, like a a ceremony for him like they shut down the streets had a big like parade and uh, he was kind of the king of the city for that day, and um, I know he loves that, I know, you know, you listen to him on that, that on-court interview right after they won the finals, you know, he's giving Rockford a shout-out, it's kind of reminiscent of, you know, Ron Baker giving Scott City the shout-out after they beat Gonzaga, and um, I think that is just really cool to see, because Fred, you know, he's a basketball player, he loves playing basketball, but, you know, he wants to help his community, he wants to help you know, the people from where he's from and uh, to see him make uh, an impact on everyone's lives is, is really, really special. And uh, it cracked me up. Uh, so I think I think it was a Rockford newspaper asked him about, you know, the, the sales of his of his merchandise, of his clothing. And he's like, yeah, it's just gone through the roof. You know, get them while they last because the prices are going up soon because, you know, Fred <laughs> Van Vliet is in demand right now.
0: Yeah, he might have also mentioned in a post game interview that sitting next to me at the NIT semifinals was really where his whole season <laughs> turned around, and that's where that. he discovered that talk angry, you know, toughness that you need to become a champion. Yeah, just you know, yeah, just the aura, you know, sitting next <laughs> to you, it was just you dripping know, off game respects game. Okay, champions respect champions. Moving on, let's talk about some guys who are still trying to earn some funds. Thrown in the round ball, Marcus McDuffie signs a summer league contract with the Pacers. Connor camp signs with the Lakers. What did you think about those two deals?
2: Yeah, the McDuff- McDuffie one uh, wasn't a surprise. I-, I figured he would get a shot You know, with the, the NBA summer league. Uh, he said that his workouts, uh, pre-draft workouts, had gone really, really well. He was confident uh, in himself. So uh, I kind of expected him to land with some team. Uh, with Connor, it was a little bit of a surprise because uh, he didn't get a look last year you know coming out off of his senior year at wichita state but you know he goes to bulgaria you know just absolutely shreds average 20 plus uh was one of the best players in the league you know first team all, all league guys so um he really earned himself a look i think he shot like 48 percent from three in bulgaria so you know teams are going to see that number uh on on like five or six attempts too so it was it was really really impressive so He's going to get a look at in the, in the summer league with the Lakers. I mean, they're probably going to use him as that, that spot-up shooter. I can't imagine. Maybe he does play more of the point guard role just because of his size. But, uh, you know, his, if he can shoot the ball well these next, you know, 10 days, uh, he could make things a little interesting. and The maybe Lakers get,
0: traded everyone on their team except they, Kyle Kuzma, they, so they have uh, LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, and Anthony Davis, and not a whole lot else. So, they, yeah, they literally I have mean, nothing else. They so. do need breathing humans on their team, so you've got to think there. there's a chance there. The opportunity is there. <laughs> What what about McDuffie? Do you think uh, this is maybe leads itself to a G League contract, or w- what would you predict for him?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I mean if he if he really really wants to, you know, bet on himself, and that's kind of the the way that the G League is. You know, if you if you really think you can uh, play in the NBA, that's that's where you want to go. Uh, but you know, the money just isn't good. You know, the travel kind of sucks. Uh, you know, you're busting around, staying in you know hotels um, all the time. So I don't know if like that lifestyle, that's, that's kind of rough. Uh, but you have to really, really believe in yourself. And, and I don't know. I mean, he's going to have to play really, really well to get a, a contract, uh, uh a two way thing or anything like that. Um, if he goes overseas, you know, make a little more money. Um, and, you know, you see all your former teammates have success. I mean, all those seniors on last year's team went over, had a successful year, you know you, you look at a guy like connor you know p you, you play your way back into position so he could potentially go overseas you know average you know 18 19 20 a game uh show show yourself you know capable of of doing those things that nba teams maybe had questions about maybe it's his ball handling or just you know getting bigger getting stronger uh, but the dude, he's not even 22 yet, you know, still super young for a four-year senior. So the ceiling is still there for, uh, for Marcus. And I think, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity just to, to get a chance to throw your name out there and hopefully he gets some playing time in Vegas.
1: I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Connor because that could help inform Marcus's decision. You know, if he doesn't end up getting that two-way contract on a team, Seeing, you know, what sort of opportunities come Connors way may may tell him, you know, it's still worth it to go overseas or not.
2: Yeah. Is this the Fred Van Vliet effect? You know, they just want
1: they just want Wichita State
0: guards now. Who knows? Our guy Ronnie B might rehab himself (laughs) back into a contract. So I'll also point out I put on a golf tournament this past Monday. A team with Connor Frankamp on it finished first, my team finished second. I think Connor cheated. I want to go ahead and talk that into the world right now. So I wish him the best (laughs) in Vegas, but he cheated. As far as summer hoops are concerned, TBT will be going on at Charles Koch Arena. The bracket has been released since our last show. The Aftershocks will play Iowa United on Thursday, July 25th. That game will be at 8 p.m. and will be broadcast on one of the ESPN family of networks. The winner will play Self Made, which is the KU alumni. They play Sideline Cancer, uh, would play the winner of Self Made versus Sideline Cancer that following Saturday. Uh, and taking a look at the roster for the Aftershocks, taking a look at the roster for the KU guys, I I think, you know, obviously ticket sales have been good. This will be a pretty interesting uh, little thing we see here.
2: Yeah, I think uh, that's the game that everyone wants to see. So WSU, or uh, the Aftershocks need to take take care of business this first game and uh you know the, the KU team has to take care of their business too and yeah that's that's the matchup that I think uh you know if any game is gonna sell out Coke Arena that that will be the one I think uh I mean as a fan what what kind of you know bragging rights are there t- to this you know it's TBT it's alumni it's not really WSU versus KU but it kind of is right
0: uh, as a fan, there is a total, in my opinion, of zero bragging rights. You can literally take nothing from this. They do this thing up in Kansas City every year where KU plays Mizzou. It has no impact. I always go back to the good old days of 2015 and just talk about the NCAA tournament, and really, that's all the brownie points I need. <laughs> you know, there was an interesting story brought up about Fred in that tournament when they talked about the KU players sleeping the day before and said, you know, maybe... Maybe should have got up and watched our game. So uh, that's also the tournament that Fred brought the term "let them nuts hang" into the lexicon. So a lot of great ones from Freddie that year.
2: Yeah, Fred is uh, absolutely uh, the goat when it comes to to quotes, and uh, I think that story just confirmed it. You know, a lot of those anecdotes were about stuff that Fred said, and stuff that he did, and. Really just, you know, cemented
0: his place as a, as a Wichita State legend. Everyone thinks he's a quiet guy, but it's not. I mean, from reading this story, it's not. I mean, he was the de facto leader of the program, really starting from day one of his sophomore year after they had that Final Four run his freshman year. And so th- there's been kind of a groundswell here recently to uh, retire his number. So where do, And Producer Brian, why don't you jump in on this too? Where are you on the hashtag #RetireFred campaign?
2: I'm gonna have to ask uh, Bo Wright about you know what the the limitations are like when the earliest they could do it. Um, you know it's obviously happening, but I don't know if it's like. I mean, how 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 many years has he been gone now? This would be four. I don't know if like what how many years have to go by before they can retire it. I'm sure that's just you know formality. That's just what they're waiting for. The you know,
1: shocker hall of these fame, people I make believe up is the rules. Ten, so just is do what you want. <laughs> Isn't the Shocker Hall of Fame 10 years? I believe that's the case.
0: And maybe we have a special exemption where if you win an NBA Finals, that goes out the door and you get your number retired. You get, you I mean, get,
1: one, you get an MVP MVP vote. Yeah, that's the, uh, the other the other piece of it is when you retire his jersey at a game, you would like him to be able to be there. Hopefully be al- the coach at that point. <laughs> or, or that. he <laughs> will I mean, come out from his halftime if, speech, we'll If will retire in the, the number, we'll be good to go. If he's in the NBA and he's playing and he's traveling, and he's constantly moving, the odds of him him actually being able to come to an event like that those are those are logistics you got to orchestrate so it, it would be interesting uh, if to, they really to,
2: wanted to i'm sure they could find one of those early you know home games in, in november or december when you know the nba schedule aligns and if they really wanted to but i, I think it is just they're they're just waiting until the matter of time i'll have to look that up that is kind of an interesting question and people have asked me that too and uh I mean, I think there. It's just because I don't think anyone has ever gone. No in one this needs quickly. to
0: have such a strong passion for. Her. I mean, it's a sign of respect. I think he will be the one from that era. At some people thought, you know, Cleanthony Anthony and Ron, and you know, I, I'm just not sure on those others. But but Fred, as this story proves, was the de facto leader from that era. So he has to be it. So you think Ron? Ron's a question. He's iffy. I think he had a great career, but Ron's
1: not a question. question. It's gonna going to happen. He's going up happen. there.
2: I think both of them get in. What about what about Klee, though? I two, don't two years. I think I think, th- I think that's
1: play. a hard one to sell just because of the 2-year deal. He wasn't All-American though, right? He wasn't All-American. So I think in that criteria he's he's a maybe, but I would I would consider him. I would give him a serious like vote. You know, I wouldn't like be like, oh, he's not making it or he is definitely making it. He's kind of like, maybe I mean, if this is like the, you know, the the best
2: stretch. I mean, I think I think you give it to him. I think you get all three of those guys. They were like the, the the three faces of that that era, that stretch of, you know, Wichita State basketball. So I think. I think you put all three of them up there. Well,
1: then what about T'Kell Cotton? Never got All-American, but if you were to Not pick a Greg Marshall player, Not he's the Greg Marshall player. You
0: got to be All-American, sorry.
1: <laughs> Moving along,
0: let's talk a little WSU baseball. The big news, Wichita State moves on from Coach Todd Butler, goes in the family, hires Eric Wedge. He has put together his assistant coaching staff, and I think people are pretty darn excited. You see now there's advertisements for season tickets, You know, back in that Gene Stevenson uh, family of players. What are your thoughts on the hire of Wedge, and how do you think now that he's rounded out the coaching staff?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's been really exciting uh, for Shocker fans. Uh, This is the most I've ever been asked questions about WSU baseball. You know, the last two years has basically just been, you know, when are they going to move on from from Butler? Um, So it's kind of you know a little strange to be asked uh, questions about you know coaching hires and you know recruiting stuff and. Uh, you know, just baseball questions in general, you know, usually it's just basketball twenty four seven, but. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is an ex- staff that that has you know fans excited. You know, Eric Wedge was a home. Gibbs could hire.
0: have been the head coach. Let me just say that right yes. now, if he wanted to, he could. I mean, not that he was offered in this time, but I'm saying he's got the credentials of someone who could have been the head coach. Yeah, for to get State. to get a, it's huge.
2: Yeah, to get a 27. Uh, he's coached at you know Charlotte for 27 years. To have someone with his experience, you know, he's. He's done the recruiting, he's seen both sides he's of done it. The scheduling. Yeah, he's done all that stuff. So to, to convince him to retire from that, just to and not even be an assistant on your staff to, to work as the Dobo, I mean that's a, that's huge. That allowed them to open up a spot for, for eventually Mike Sirianni. And uh, you know, this is a guy that comes in not a former shocker star like Mike Pelfrey, like uh, hibbs like wedge i mean he doesn't fit that mold but you know they're very very high on him as a recruiter he was a, a former volunteer assistant for uh for
0: the shockers under todd butler uh part he worked of th- at newman as well he I yeah. mean, he's familiar with wichita uh my little brother uh had some you know like juco d2 type offers and he said he was a guy who actually called him every single day right. just checked in on him how's it going real personal so i from i've heard he's an awesome salesman obviously helped Coach Butler when they did have the recruiting classes that brought some of those players that are now in the major leagues, like Bomb and some of those guys. So. I'm
1: curious, with these assistants, what's the situation on who can recruit? Can the Dobo recruit um, and go out and try and get players, or is it just the two assistants and the head coach? I'm kind of fuzzy on how that works for baseball yeah, i'm
2: not entirely sure on that either i don't know if the director of ops can can go out and actively recruit that's possible i don't know I, i'd have to look that up but there's you know, not as
1: many coaching positions as yeah sirianni the yeah he's the,
2: he's the lead recruiter so he'll be the one that kind of sets everything up and uh like uh, dustin said you know he was part of that uh, that staff you know even though he's just a volunteer you know he he was given a lot of credit for for pulling the strings and helping recruit a lot of those guys in 2015, 2016. That 2015 class was number two in the nation. 2016, I think it was 16 or 18. Uh, So, you know, the Shockers best recruiting classes came when he was on the staff. And now that he's, you know, back as a full-time assistant can go, you know, all, all in on these guys. It'll be really exciting to see. And that was, you know, the big question, basically the only question with, with wedge is, you know, will he be able to recruit, you know, the college game, Uh, And, you know, I think with his presence, uh, you know, his name recognition, maybe the kids don't know who he is, but, you know, their parents are certainly going to know who he is. And that's going to make a difference. And you have a guy like Sirianni who can, like Dustin said, you know, he's a he's a personable guy. He's going to be a guy that can relate to these kids. He's young. uh, You know, he's a, a tireless worker. I mean, everything I've heard about him is just this guy knows how to recruit. So that's uh, a perfect fit, I think, for, for Wedge. And, you know, you bring your guy back and Pelfrey is the pitching coach. You have confidence in him. Uh, you have Hibbs on there, you know, being able to, if you have any questions, just ask him. He's going to know everything about any situation. So I think this is really, uh, you know, a home run uh, staff, you know, A-plus all the way around. And uh, I think uh, Wedge, they're, they're excited to, you know, get this thing going and, and round out that 20, uh, 2020 roster. And uh, go from there and I think uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that roster takes shape uh, over the, the next couple months. So uh, we'll see you know what recruits come in,
0: what re- returning players stay, stuff like that. so, the thing I'm most excited about, and Taylor, you and I were at a dinner earlier this year where they honored Gene Stevenson. It's where I first discovered your love of dinner rolls. Um, but at this dinner, Eric Wedge was able to talk, and you could see the passion that he has, how much Wichita State means to him. And when he was doing the interviews, you could see, you know, he, he chose to come to Wichita. He cho- He had a pretty nice gig. I believe he was working in the Cleveland Indians organization. I oh, know it was the Toronto Blue Jays organization, uh, used to manage the Indians, and, you know, this is something he wants to do he wants to restore the program now I will get on my soapbox just a little bit when coach Butler first took over the program he talked about we're going to put in speakers and we're going to turn going out to shocker baseball games we're going to turn this into an atmosphere and I think there might have been 12 to 15 people at most I mean it I mean several hundred but still the the attendance has gone way down whatever the rules are, I was disappointed to see the Hill go away. At least they had a following of people out there. I feel like, you know, some of the liquor laws in the state are getting less restrictive, not more restrictive. So I'm not sure how they're able to work that out. But you'd like to see people get back behind this program. Because I remember right before I came to Wichita State, they were in a super regional against UC Irvine. They actually lost both of the games by one run. But X Stadium was packed to capacity and it's on ESPN it was a great environment people are hanging on every pitch like that needs to be the dream and maybe you don't get back and obviously there's even better memories from way before my lifetime or you know they wanted an 89 the, the year I was born but you know we need to get back to that kind of mentality of supporting the baseball program like they support the basketball program hopefully through you know times when even they're not winning
2: yeah, I think you're going to see an automatic uh, boost in attendance uh, just because of the, the the coaching staff. Honestly, I think Wedge is going to get people excited, and uh, I mean, even if they don't win this first year or second year, I think there still will be more fans
0: in the seats. and But I guess my biggest point, it needs to be an atmosphere, though. You know, we got a AAA baseball team coming to town where they're going to be building a stadium that's more of an experience than anything because they want your family to come down there. They want you to be, you know, out in the beer gardens and doing this and that and being all over the whole place, you know as much as people love Wichita State just going out is particularly when it's February, March and it's really cold outside, I, I don't think it's gonna do it. So I don't know and, and maybe I don't have the answers to, to how they do that, but I gotta find a way to, to get that spark back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's and Wedge has talked about that too. He wants that, you know, he wants X Stadium to be a place that, that you know, other teams hate to go to because of the, the atmosphere and, you know, the rowdiness of the crowd and uh, you know, Hibbs, uh, he was very, very confident that they were going to get this thing back on track. And, uh, you know, he wasn't making any promises as far as the timeline goes, you know, whether it's, you know, two, three, four years. But he was very, very confident that Wedge was the man uh, to bring this back, to bring Shocker baseball back to what it was. And, I mean, I think, you know, it's been so long now for in terms of, you know, for, for Shocker fans since they were nationally relevant. I think it's going to take that, that first really good year to get, you know, that, that atmosphere truly back to where, you know, X Stadium is, you know, four, five, six thousand five 6,000 strong. And, uh, you know, maybe they still get that for, you know, those midweek games against KUK State oklahoma state stuff like that but i think they're gonna have to win a little bit before you know x stadium routine you know routinely becomes that that packed environment like like i think everyone wants to see but you know wedges he's confident that they can get the job done so we'll we'll see how how it goes and i think this first year will kind of be that transition year But after that you know i think gloves are off and we'll see what he can do
0: If they get the baseball program back, we'll have to have a year long podcast. So just talk angry all the time. (laughs) but uh, certainly were a lot of topics to catch you up on. Hope you have enjoyed the little summer recap here. We'll be back prior to basketball season, do more in-depth look at the roster as well as the schedule for 2019, 2020, as we've alluded to today, should be a good one. Another opportunity you have, you can create your all Greg Marshall team through uh, uh, Kansas.com and what Taylor has put out on Twitter and various social media. And maybe just give a quick little plug for that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a uh, it's a fun game I've seen played uh, mostly with NBA, but uh, you get like a budget, you get fifteen dollars, and uh, I've I've made tiers of uh, players. So there's you know five dollar players, four dollar players, three dollar players, two dollar players, one dollar players, uh, five on each row. So you kind of go through and try to build, you know, your your own kind of super team, uh, no restrictions on, you know, you can start with two $5 players, you can get three $4 players, you can get whatever combination you want, as long as it's not over $15. Uh, so a couple, of, you know, WSU fans did not want to make any hard decisions and just picked all the $5 players. So their their lineups were ineligible. But, you know, if you want to follow the rules and, and stay within that $15 budget, I think, I I really put a lot of time in to try to make it as as tough a decision as possible. And I think I looked at the results, you know, a day after I put it up, there was like 120 responses. And, uh, you know, there's all over the place. And I think that was a sign that that it it did work. You know, I think 75% of people picked Fred, uh, of course. Um, but after that you know it was all over the place it was you know between 20 and 35 percent for the rest of those guys Zach Brown was actually uh, surprise number two Uh, he was a one dollar option I put him on there for a reason because I wanted to make him a value play and you know some of the 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 blowback was, you know, they some of the players kind of felt, you know, a little disrespected, you know, being on that one dollar tier. But the way I look at it is, you know, you're one of the the 20, one of the twenty five best players of the Marshall era. You know, that's that's a compliment. And it was. It, there's a lot of good players that didn't make the list. You know, a guy like Ben Smith, Aaron Ellis, uh, Shadrach LaFeel, you know, guys like that that were, you know, big players on. You know, good. Well, team, Chad Rack
0: so. still found his way on the front of the Sports Illustrated cover somehow, yeah. so he made it okay. I, <laughs> yeah, he made it out okay. <laughs> exactly. So. That guy always found a way to be right in the photo as yeah. soon as it was taken. <laughs> so yeah, it,
2: it was a fun game to put together. I, I spent a lot of time looking at you know stats and uh, and uh, roles and you know team success and dinner stuff roles like that. Dinner or like player? You no, know, over over dinner roles. Okay. Yeah, I was eating eating them while while I was uh, dissecting the roles. So um it, w- it was pretty fun to put together it took a while to to get all the pictures and photoshop all that stuff but uh yeah it was a good response online I, it cracked me up seeing the players themselves you know play the game uh you know clear clear Anthony, Klee Anthony early he uh he got in on the action uh Dimitric Williams he was another one I felt bad for leaving off uh, that's uh you know one of those all-time glue guys that you know your team can't win with without but Man, it was just tough to find a spot on him for the, uh, on that $1 row. But a lot of good guards. A lot, a lot of, of, yeah, that's the, that's the thing is, yeah, I just don't know if, uh, uh, you know, how many, and then it's the question of like, who do you take off if you put those guys on? So it was, it was a tough game. What I learned was, yeah, there's just been a lot of really good players, uh, in the Marshall era and, uh. I think it was a fun game to to put together and if you want to check that out, it's on my Twitter at uh, Taylor Eldridge or uh, or you can search it on Google, you know, Greg Marshall Air Starting Five. Uh, it should pop up the Kansas.com article.
0: Well whether the AAC has eleven teams or twelve teams, we know we have the best beat rider in the conference <laughs> here. So it's been a good show. We will be back with you in the fall. Remember to follow us on social media and greatest five stars.